Welcome to the Orange County Catholic Radio Show. Each week, we bring you compelling conversation with church leaders and laity, talking about the things going on in our diocese and discussing the important issues that impact the world around us. We're coming to you from our studios on the campus of Christ Cathedral in Garden Grove, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. Here now to introduce our guest and today's topic is your host, Rick Howick. And welcome to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. And with me today from the Office of Catholic Schools is the Associate Superintendent of Catholic Schools Marketing and Enrollment, though I understand you do a whole bunch of other things going along with it, is Mike Schaubert. Mike, welcome to our program. Thank you, Rick. Glad to be here. Mike, I didn't warn you ahead of time, but if you would be so kind, could you lead us in a brief word of prayer? Absolutely. And let us take a moment to recognize that we're always in God's presence and God is among us and in us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. We ask you, Lord, blessings on all your people, uh, in particular our schools, our parents, our teachers, our administrators, and our students. In this month where we respect life, we recognize the beautiful gift of life you have given to all of us, and in particular our young people in our Catholic schools, for them to have a renewed opportunity uh, to experience full life at their school sites. And we ask you to help us to be mindful of those who are struggling, who are poor, the disadvantaged, that we may all reach out to them to help bring them up so that they not just survive, but they thrive. So we thank you, Lord, for everything, and we make our prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. And first of all, thank you very much for that. Um, it's uh, you, you not only uh, gave a beautiful prayer, but it was uh, well situated for our situation right now, both in the world where we're thinking right now about a lot of pro-life issues, uh, especially as we've been going through the struggle with uh, the Supreme Court and what's going to happen there. It's brought to mind all this whole pro-life issues, but especially how we deal with our children. And so this is one of the types of shows I really look forward to a lot. My background was in Catholic education before going into radio. So I have a soft part of my heart for all of Catholic education. I have been grievously concerned and praying very hard because this has got to be a very difficult time with COVID-19 coming. I know the schools all had to shut down at the end of last year. And this year, you've reopened all but one school physically, and that school didn't close. That school shifted. So let's do a quick report card. Yeah. How are we doing? How did the opening go? It went tremendously well, and that's really because of the leadership. First of all, our leadership of our bishops, the vision for them to really recognize how important Catholic schools were, not just for uh, the educational needs of our young people, but for their health and wellness and their faith and spirituality. And so as you know, the summer progressed, it's been very challenging to navigate um, the, the landscape of uh, schools opening or not opening. There was a time in the summer where it looked like, based on the various guidelines provided to us by, well, many different agencies mm -hmm. were providing guidelines to schools, whether it was national or local 
uh, state or county, it did look very promising that we'd be able to open. But then in July, there was a bit of a setback when um, the state of California, when the governor uh, made the decision that you know schools would not uh, be able to reopen in the fall. And so what we did was, on the one hand, we recognized that that would be a challenge and, and our schools pivoted to prepare for reopening in a distance learning format. At the same time, this concept of schools perhaps applying for waivers was introduced by the governor to, frankly, the surprise of, of many county officials. And so we we also had that as something to work towards. You know, how could we position our schools to meet various guidelines so that we would be granted permission to reopen? Another very significant decision, and I really want to credit our superintendent of schools, Dr. Erin Barrasano, for her vision and her leadership recognizing whether to get off, whether it's county watch lists or to be granted these waivers, um, would take some time. And so we made a, uh, you know, a very unique decision to delay our start date of our schools. Typically, our schools begin, you know, the second or third week of August. Some of our high schools yeah, begin a little sooner. Schools, yeah. We made the decision, at least for our elementary schools, to push that start date to September 8th. We felt like it would give us a little more time, either for the county to get off the watch list or for these waivers to be approved. It also gave us a little more time to prepare for all various eventualities. It also gave us the opportunity to maybe see how public schools would uh, position themselves um, because they're in a little bit of a different uh, position than us. As it turned out, our schools got the waivers about a week before that start date. So that, wow. <laughs> that was a very uh, prescient uh, decision uh, on our part. Uh, in fact, one of our schools got their waiver the day before the 8th. So, <laughs> so I know Dr. Aaron, though, came from the L.A. Archdiocese and everything in Los Angeles, yes. not necessarily the Archdiocese, would prepare her very well to appreciate the possibility of bureaucratic delay. Sure. She did very well. <laughs> very much so, very much so. And I have to give credit to our principals and our teachers at our schools, um, you know, they had to, in a sense, prepare for oh, two yeah. eventualities, yeah. but were able to pivot very quickly. And we were able to welcome in all of our elementary schools, TK through sixth graders. Now, our seventh and eighth graders and our high schoolers had to wait a few more weeks till the county got off the watch list, which they did. And they uh, they returned back to school and our seventh and eighth graders returned in full on the 22nd. And then our high schools are um, gradually bringing students back at various levels. Wow. Th this is really good news because I know uh, we were talking before air about what's been going on in the rest of the country. The rest of the country has seen a decline of more than 10% of the population, somewhere around 12-ish. And there are whole dioceses where they're looking at which schools they're closing sure. uh, or merging or trying to find other ways of keeping them alive or on life support. Yeah. Now, I understand that you've converted one school to online learning. How's that going? Yeah, it's great. St. Polycarp Online Catholic Academy. That's the, the, the name of the school. And, and, uh, prior to that, St. Polycarp, one of our, you know, many elementary schools, um, had been struggling from an enrollment standpoint and, and reached a point where enrollment was, uh, south of maybe 120 students. It's a great success. And, and really going back to, you know, looking at the successes of all of our schools when the pandemic hit, as you know, back in March, uh, our schools had to close. Um, we were fortunate to have, not knowing a pandemic was coming, our schools were in a great position to pivot quickly. They're small. 
They were technologically advanced. Our teachers and our principals and our students had a familiarity with technology. Our teachers had advanced professional development. And so what we saw is within a matter of days, shifting from uh, traditional learning to online learning back in March, April, and May, we found that we could pivot and be successful and really make it work. So that kind of started the ball rolling as far as visioning is concerned. And I really have to credit, you know, again, our the leadership of, of the school at St. Polycarp, as well as our Department of Catholic Schools. That's an inspiration. Yeah, to reimagine, you know, what could be? How do we take, you know, a very difficult situation and turn it 180? And we did. And, and so St. Polycarp Online Academy was formed toward the middle of uh, late summer. And the idea was that it would provide an opportunity for families who were still maybe a little nervous about returning to in-school traditional education, but it also recognized that there is still an opportunity for Catholic families to get a Catholic education. And so we're sitting at 175 students now oh, enrolled wow, at St. Polycarp. Yes. That is a fantastic success. Yes. Yeah, because you still have, during this pandemic, well, I, I think there's a real hunger for most families to get their children back into the, the physical environment of the school. There are some families that have reasons why they don't want to do that. Some people have, some families have chronic health issues. They just can't take that risk. To have an online school environment available where the entire population, the entire community is forming an online community yes. so that they're working with that as a very direct, permanent idea. That's fantastic because it gives an opportunity for people who need that kind of thing. And frankly, prior to the, you know, when you, when you really look at things, even prior to the pandemic, there is quite a few families who are already going the online education route, you know, whether it's through public programs or, or, or other type of programs. And so, oh, yeah. uh, and if you look, whether it's a secular uh, college or Catholic colleges, I mean, there are many online programs available for, well, for families. I'm and, doing that right now. I, I teach online at UCR. There you go. But what's been interesting about when I did my master's in education, it was all online, but it was done without Zoom. It was all those, you, you do basically email trees, how far we've come and how much has changed over the last few months even. And so you're learning so much from the opportunities. What's nice about Polycarp is that you now have a school that's dedicated entirely to that experiment, yes. which has got to have positive repercussions for the rest of your schools that still are, many of whom are offering an online component. How's that being imagined? How's that working out where you're able to, to work in tandem as a school family. Well, I think what you know what we're going to find um, as we move along is opportunities for collaboration. I think when you have a school that devotes itself completely to online learning, the skill set and that's going to be developed among those those teachers and those staff are going to provide opportunities for them to share best practices with our other schools. Now, I want to make it very clear. Our other schools that are not completely fully online, we have some tremendous, tremendous capable and competent teachers mm -hmm. in the area of online learning. And I think the opportunity as a system of schools to come together and collaborate back and forth will, will grow, will grow as, as time goes on. But really to have this school um, be able to provide guidance for maybe some of our schools that could use a, a little extra help, professional development. I can see our teachers at St. Polycarp being the ones where you, you know, you teach the teachers, yeah. you know, that peer 
uh, sharing of ideas. And, and so we're really looking forward to the opportunities for that collaboration. And the other nice thing about St. Polycarp is we've, we had some uh, very experienced teachers, perhaps at other schools, that had uh, a great competence in, in this world of virtual learning or distance learning. And, and we brought many of those teachers together for this particular project. And, and, uh, and we're really seeing, and again, the, the St. Polycarp Online Catholic Academy, it, it, you're right, it's not just Zooming. It is uh, direct live instruction with students, with teacher, document cameras, multiple monitors, multiple you know programs that are that are being used, and there is a social component. You know the opportunity for this online community as this pandemic unfolds, the opportunity for them to gather at some point in person, whether it's for mass or whether it's for a social setting. Certainly, of course, following protocols, but we're really excited about this opportunity. It's one more option for Catholic families here in, in, in our county. Well, and that my understanding after having talked to the new principal mm-hmm. of that school several weeks back, there are inquiries from all over the West Coast for maybe participating in this. You're having people become involved who otherwise would not be able to even have access to a Catholic school, aren't you? Absolutely. And I happen to many times be the one who maybe is the first contact. You know, over the last uh, month or so, we, we've actually uh, uh, had a digital campaign through Facebook, Instagram, and social media, as well as the Internet, not just for our Catholic schools, but specifically for St. Polycarp. And you'd be surprised, you know, Rick, it's it's interesting, you know, when somebody clicks on an ad and they fill out a form, that actually comes to me directly, and to see people from Alaska or, you know, Wyoming yeah. uh, inquiring, you know. Yeah, but it, you now have a possible match. You're able to actually work with them. Absolutely, yeah. That's fantastic. We are talking with Mike Schaubert, who's the Associate Superintendent of Catholic Schools, specifically for marketing and enrollment, but with his hand in a whole bunch of other things. And when we come back, I want to talk a little bit about how this has, some of these new ideas have set us up for a different kind of success than I think we were ever imagining. So when we come back, Mike, I want to talk about where we go from here. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host, and with me today is Mike Schaubert, and we have been talking about some of the changes that have taken place while the Diocese of Orange has reopened, some of which has involved quite a bit of what I think the term you use is reimagining how we go about doing school. Some schools are opening entirely the way they did before with only a few exceptions. How do you go ahead and safely distance that kind of thing? Other schools, as you said, we've got at least one that is uh, only online and uh, how to make that work. You know, it's it's also interesting because most of your schools are doing some sort of a hybrid or are prepared to work uh, distant learning if necessary. We live in an era now that most of our students are going to have to have some skills in working online and being able to educate online in order to be competitive so in a way, this has actually given us an opportunity to move forward even beyond where a lot of the public schools are. Is that not true? It is. And, and I think, you know, part of it goes back to, and I've said this before on your show and, and maybe even today, you know, this idea of being a part of a community and, 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 a, and a relatively small community. Uh, as you might imagine, many of the public schools at the elementary or the high school level are, are, are much bigger. We already, prior to the pandemic, 
found our schools and, and our students doing some very advanced things. I mean, we already were working on things like blended learning, where our mm-hmm. students were, uh, you know, learning in different ways with different technologies. And so really the pandemic, when it came, while it was definitely a major shift and a, and a major shock for many people, the transition was was much easier for us. And so this is a, a you know, a con- kind of a continuation of, of a lot of preparation that was done even prior to the pandemic, not knowing a pandemic was coming, to recognize the changing needs of our students in the 21st century. We recognize that technology is is a huge part of our world for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. And we have to prepare our students to be, you know, positive, contributing, ethical citizens in a world, a technological world that can somehow, you know, where black and white has gone away and there's still gray, and there's a lot of gray. And so there is no God of the computer quite often. <laughs> well, it appears that way many times. And, and, and our job is to help them recognize God. Yeah. You know, I think it's actually quite, quite uh, fitting that this week that, you know, there's a new beatified saint that is a young person yeah. and they're already calling the patron yeah, of, of the like internet 15 years old or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think we recognize that there is a, a sign of the times and, you know, Catholic education from its inception is not intended to, you know, bring people uh, backwards, but really looking at moving forward and, and changing with the times. And so we're very fortunate to, in the midst of this pandemic, to be able to, you know, not only reimagine, but remember who we are and who our identity is and, and bringing our, our students back has been a real godsend for many reasons. So I, I guess where I want to go with that, I just want to touch bases on this one aspect. Catholic schools, because as you mentioned, they're small, they form a a unique community that surprises a lot of parents. So if we go back to how those communities functioned before pandemic, when you come in as a a brand new family, say into kindergarten with your first child, you're committing yourself not only to that small community for the next seven, eight, nine years, but you're likely to have more children, which means you've got other kids coming through I remember when I was in Catholic education, it was not uncommon to have families that from the moment they started to their last child left your elementary school, they were there for 25 years. In many ways, yes. (laughs) Which means that not only do your kids form these lasting lifetime relationships, but the parents do as well. And they're forming these relationships around their children and around a community that's that's blessed by God to be a God-centered community, this is something that is a, a cultural phenomenon you just can't get anywhere else. And I'm sure that that's been important into why the success of the schools is starting again and continuing this year. How is that being changed, do you think? Or is it? Well, Rick, I think, you know, as a former Catholic educator, administrator, your uh, school yourself, I think you really hit on a really important point. Um, and I think over the, over the last maybe 10 or 20 years, that was a very obvious experience. You know, um, Catholic families 20, 25 years ago typically gravitated toward Catholic schools for their children. There wasn't this idea of options. You know, and as the years have gone on, as Mm -hmm. perhaps maybe even some public schools have gotten better or new districts have formed or economics took over or um, charter schools or charter schools, you know, this idea of that, okay, I'm a Catholic family. I just had children. It's it's automatic. They go to a Catholic and they all got the station wagon discount. (laughs) And that has changed. And that has changed. And so because of that change, what we're finding, Rick, is what you described, that community is still that has not changed. But what it's become a the world's best kept secret. 
And that's what we're seeing in a lot of our Catholic schools nationwide, diocesan-wide. I believe firmly that, you know, part of that declining enrollment is these families, if they do not choose that Catholic school, they're missing out on what you described, you know, this 25 years. And I'll tell you this, Rick, you know, our Catholic schools, even in the midst of this pandemic, have had a minimal loss of enrollment, partly because of what what you said, you know, this, this attachment to community. It's not just the student going there for eight or nine years. Or beyond, mm-hmm. it's the the families uh, that get interconnected. Yeah. It's the I'm going to watch not only my kid, but I'm going to keep an eye out on my friend's yeah. child as well. Yeah. And and by the way, we're going to go to Lake Havasu as we all as go to a, parties together. Parties we together are, yes. in this. <laughs> and so, really, you know, what's been very exciting for me as someone involved in marketing and enrollment, and even in the midst of this pandemic, we have seen a a, a large number of new families into our schools. Our enrollment, yes, it declined slightly, maybe around 3 or 4% compared to 12 that's, or more percent. That's tremendously better than we feared. It is. And part of that is not just families returning, but there has been a, uh, a larger-than-normal increase in new families. And we're not wow. talking about families starting in kindergarten. These are families who looked at their public schools and realized – uh, this is not for me. I don't want my kids back at home for five days a week or two days at home and three days at school or or jumping from those experiences. I, I want to find a place where my child can get back to a little bit sense of normalcy. And they're discovering our Catholic schools. And what they're starting to discover in our Catholic schools is what what you've described, the sense of community. In fact, one school sent me some comments from new public school families into our schools Things like, we are so happy. I wish we had done this before. I never knew this kind of school existed. We are loving the school. My son is transitioning well. We are super, super happy, and it's amazing. Haven't seen my child happy in forever. I cannot say enough about the teachers. We did not have this at the public school. Worth every penny. I mean, these are actual comments from families who decided to enroll their children from public school into our Catholic schools this year that are for, you know, discovering this, what I call now, best-kept secret, this community that they're maybe not getting elsewhere. Well, and then we've already had, before the pandemic ever struck, a huge movement sociologically in the schools, the public schools, uh, on a moral level. And a lot of the curriculum that was being mandated to be taught would be considered controversial, I guess it's a nice way of putting it, mm-hmm. in, in Catholic circles. And the Catholic schools are exempt from having to teach much of that. And yes. therefore, we're able to determine what we want to teach and why we want to teach it so we can talk about God and we can talk about what human beings are and how they stand before God and what they do and what they don't do, the nature of all of that, and the nature of morality. That already was drawing more and more people in. It was. I can only imagine that what we originally were fearing was going to be a a big hit on the enrollment. There's another side to that. You've got both this transition the public schools have gone through the last couple of years toward a very different way of looking at what human beings are, and it's being taught in schools from very, very young ages, so that people are now leaving for that reason to come to Catholic schools, on top of... Most of our Catholic schools are not doing the online exclusively. That's available in most of our Catholic schools. But you can actually go back to school physically and be involved with your community. That's got to be a tremendous help in many, many ways. It does, Rick. You know, I I believe families these days are looking for schools uh, or places where they can have their children 
grow in positive moral, ethical values. What I think is important for people to know is that while there have been changes you know, along the way in curriculum in the public school. Our message hasn't changed since the time of Jesus. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> you know those gospel values still uh, are in effect today. They're yeah. relevant today. And so we haven't had to change one iota of what we do in our Catholic schools. Now, I think what we have to continue to do is work a little harder uh, to, to help these young people recognize these gospel values in a world that sometimes is lacking in those values. We need to help them see those lights uh, that maybe are dimming recently. And, and, and so, you know, yes, I think that it's important for you know, all families, Orange County and beyond, to know about our Catholic schools is that, you know, we are what I like to call we're oasis of goodness. Um, we are places in, in a world thirsty uh, for the truth, thirsty for, and Rick, we have families that are not even Catholic that are, are looking for that kind of environment for their it's children to be. As well. You know, we, we tend to uh, emulate our environments. You know, we tend to subscribe to certain things based on, you know, who we hang out with, who our friends are. 30 years ago, my, you know, people would tell my mom, uh, I'm an only child of a single mom. Uh, who, you know, worked three jobs to put me into Catholic school. And some of her friends and even some of our family would say, why are you sheltering that boy? Yeah. You know, and, and even in my teenage years when my mom would. But he's not going to go up to be the assistant superintendent or anything. Well, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I still remember to this day, you know, even in senior in high school, my mom would would let me go to a, a very good party, but would still park downstairs and wait for me there. So I did. <laughs> listen, I did lead a sheltered life. But you know what? I think that my mom probably had great vision. Yeah. You know, she was seeing how things are going and, and she recognized, you know, OK, I, despite my son maybe being frustrated with with me. I'm going to do this because I want to set them on a path of success. And times and have changed. schools do that. They do. And, and, and they create an environment where kids can be with other families and other kids of like mind. And nowadays, I think, you know, more than ever, the, you know, it is important to look at. I wouldn't use the term shelter, but I think it's we want to protect our children and we want to put them in places for success. So at the beginning of this uh, show, I asked for a report card. Yeah. So most of the schools are up and running really well. Some of them better than others. Some of them have, tra- have a transition, like the reimagining of uh, St. Polycarp. Yeah. We're, we're doing well. We're doing very well. There's always room to improve, so I'll give us an A-. minus. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fair enough. So yeah. if we're looking at how the Catholic schools in the Diocese of Orange are functioning, they're up and functioning well. They are. Uh, they're open for business. They opened a little bit later, which means we're not too late for... People who've been on the fence or are thinking about whether they still want to do this, they could still come and join in most of the schools. Rick, I I have to, yeah, they absolutely, and this is a unique time. I mean, it's not necessarily normal. So maybe just to step back for a moment, you know, each year we have a thing called the census. You know, we're asked by the National Catholic Education Association, all dioceses have to report their enrollment numbers. And and we had our enrollment numbers reported in mid you know, mid to end of September. Since then, we've added 140 students oh, wow. to our schools since just the census alone, just in the last few weeks. We recognize that this is an unprecedented year. It is difficult. It's a difficult time. It's difficult. My wife, and we can talk a little bit about my own personal experience with well, wife that, and children. When we come back, we'll I want to talk about that. But what I hear you saying is, yes, if you are interested in Catholic schools, give your office a call or the school in your neighborhood. Absolutely. Go to find o- out. OCCatholicSchools.org. We'll help you, guide you in the right direction. We are, we recognize that 
Uh, public school districts are doing different things at different times. We're ready to welcome you into our schools. When we come back, I want to then talk a little bit more about you and how this has affected you. You're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio, coming to you high atop the Tower of Hope, where Catholic faith is crystal clear. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Mike Schaubert, who is the Associate Superintendent of Catholic Schools of Marketing and Enrollment for your focus. But we've been talking not just about marketing and enrollment, but about curriculum. We've been talking about social development amongst our students and how the Catholic schools have been actually thriving compared to where we thought they might be. We, we've had mostly a happy landing, some bumps and bruises on some parts, but for the most part, really good. I want to ask, though, this has been a a transition period for you as well. You only took this job a couple of years ago. Mike, what's it been like to, to, first of all, come into the Diocese of Orange, because you came in at a at a pretty big transition in the diocese, and then to have this thrown at you at the uh, beginning of your second year, really, middle of your second year. What's it been like for you as a Catholic? I think the thing I recognize is that every human being is being affected right now. I mean, I don't care, you know, what line of work you're in. I don't care if you're a parent or not a parent. And so I think putting into perspective that every every person is uh, going through an unprecedented time, a challenging time. There are times when, you know, it can seem, you know, very difficult, uh, but there's also times where you can maybe see the light through the weeds. And so um, for me personally, I mean, you know, I- I'm very uh, blessed working in schools, uh, recognizing the essential nature of schools, the opportunity that we have, recognizing that we have to, for our children and for our faith, uh, work very hard, even in the midst of the pandemic, that we we have a role to play. I have a great deal of admiration and respect. As a former high school principal, I was 10 years uh, principal at St. Anthony High School in Long Beach. I have just a tremendous amount of, of respect and admiration, and frankly, I'm in awe of the the heavy lifting that a high school or elementary school principal has had to go through. Uh, not that we haven't at the diocesan level, at the Department of Catholic Schools, haven't had to do some heavy lifting. Yeah. Um, it's a different kind of heavy lifting. There's something about being in the trenches that's a little bit different. Having been in the trenches yourself for so long, there's something different about being at the diocesan level. I think you're hitting on something very important there. It is. And, and you know, in my personal life, I'm married to a teacher. She's uh, a teacher at St. Catherine's Academy in, in Anaheim. All right. And I have a uh, kindergarten, well, he's now first grade at St. Catherine's Academy. All right. And an 18-year-old uh, who's a senior at St. Anthony's. Okay. Yes. So I have, you know, it, when when the pandemic hit, I had everyone at home, and I was at home, and we were all, you know, just like many people trying to juggle work and yeah. school and yeah. parenting. Um, then as the summer hit, my wife said, you know, uh, we pre- or as the end of the year hit, we appreciate all that you do here, but I think uh, it's time for you to go back to work. <laughs> so uh, the educator wasn't educating, I guess, at home as well as she would have liked. Now I have, uh, I still have my, my senior. Uh, he, he's still at home. He's uh, virtual learning, and uh, whereas my wife and, and, and child are, are, are back at school. But the tremendous amount of respect I have, not just for the principals, for the teacher, I see it every day. Yeah. I see my, my wife coming home, working harder than – I've, I've heard this before, and maybe you've experienced this yourself, and I think many of your listeners out there, we all feel like we've never worked harder than we've worked in these last few months. We've worked mm. hard. And part of the challenge is just this fluid yeah. uh, amount of uncertainty and change. You know, I, I go back to the principles. Whether it's a pronouncement from the governor or a new release of guidelines, these principles – 
would have you know parents on their doorstep same yeah. day in yeah. many cases asking okay so what do we do now right as if we already knew exactly what the governor was <laughs> going to say and we had a plan c sure. for this and i and i think there's just a, a tremendous amount of uh, of respect that i have uh, as far as me personally rick it's been a, a real joy but also a real challenge you know initially you're brought in to try to grow schools and then you find yourself in a position, okay, we may need to pivot and just try to keep our doors open, yeah. you know, and, and how do we hold on to those families that maybe are thinking, well, maybe it's time to save a little money and not pay for tuition yeah. or, or these other sorts of things. So I, like many of my colleagues and many of principals, have had to adjust. But I think in the end, it's really, it comes down to, I originally got into this business, if you want to call it this vocation, you might recall from our last conversation Right out of college, my first job was a youth minister. I've been working yeah. for the church since since I graduated yeah. college. I think when we recognize that whatever we do, whether it's being a youth minister, whether it's a principal, an assistant superintendent, it's all for the glory of God. Now, let me ask a, a couple of other questions related to your background. Yes. You spent how long as a high school principal? Ten years. Ten years. And you then left it, and you're two years doing this. When I was doing high school, I was mostly a campus minister than a dean of students for a while. That, by the way, is a very unhappy transition. But going from good cop to bad cop is very hard. But sure. when I was campus minister, I met a lot with the principal to mm -hmm. talk about different issues that were going on with families. Yes. Which I can tell you, the principal that I worked with genuinely loved it. That made her day. When she retired, there was a part of her heart that broke, and I don't know that it ever really recovered. Yeah. How are you doing with that? The transition, was it hard for you to go from, as we said, in the trenches to the ivory tower, so to speak. I think there's, it's never an easy transition. I, I spent 10 years, yeah, actually, pri and prior to my 10 years as principal, I served as campus minister, uh, assistant we have principal, a lot in common. religion department <laughs> chair, teacher. We do. We have a lot in common. And, and you know, I, I think, Rick, when, when one takes, when I say one, I mean myself, when you take a, a, when you step back a little bit and really reflect on the journey, with every transition, there's loss yeah. and then there's gain. You know, I went from you know my first job out of college, and again I say job, I really don't mean job. My my first, Your first calling, calling yeah. was a youth minister, and I I spent you know much of my time sitting in a circle with thirty kids, getting to know them personally. <laughs> yeah. I was their friend, I was their buddy. Uh, I knew you know who the new girlfriend or Your the new boyfriend. Your job was to empower. How do you do Absolutely, that? you know, and and so there was a, an extreme connectedness, and I was impacting you know these thirty or forty kids that would come to youth group at that parish every single day, and it was a yeah. it was a profoundly enriching experience for me to and you know there was a, a there was a deep love exchanged both between me and these yeah. and my kids. Following that, I had the opportunity to uh, transition into high school where I was a teacher and campus minister, among other things. And I had five religion classes and each class had 20 some odd kids. Certainly the roles change. You know, you're not, you know, you're not their friend anymore as a teacher. Yeah. But I was impacting a hundred kids instead of 30 yeah. in that position. Yeah. Then I became a high school principal and the, the, the separation between the kids uh, gets even greater. But yeah. I'm impacting five or 600 kids. And I spend more time in that role with parents or teachers. Now I have the opportunity. It's even further removed. You know, um, I, I don't have the opportunity to connect with the children in the way I did as a youth minister. But there's 17,000 young people in our schools in this diocese and, and, and hopefully more as the years go on. It's not about me, Rick. It's about what can I do to serve and maybe leave a lasting impact. Uh -huh. And my decisions, that third grader at, you know, St. Norbert's. Yeah probably has no clue 
that our team here at the diocese are making major, major important decisions that can impact that young person's future. I know. And, and I don't need him to know, but I know that hopefully these decisions we're making are making a lasting impact on our world. And, and that's how I look at it. Sometimes, though, I'm still wondering what to do with myself on a Friday night. <laughs> Those football games were fun. I used to love to stand on the sidelines and pat the helmet. So, again, there's loss, but there's also game. Yeah, my youngest was uh, was in bad, which means that all your Friday nights were taken care of. There that's, you go. That's very yes, true. Yes. So your world, then, in becoming um, a superintendent, this has kind of been a, a process that you've been following, really, for quite some time. This has been a... a the transition was something that was hard, but nevertheless workable for you. It was. And, and what's interesting then, when I really reflect back on the journey, at no point on this journey did I ever expect to be doing the job I'm doing. Prior to becoming a youth minister, I didn't have career aspirations to be a youth minister. Yeah. or But then, of course, teaching and you know, people would tell me, you know, maybe you should uh, be a principal one day. I'd say that that's the last thing I want to do. <laughs> Absolutely. Next thing I know, I'm a principal. And then people would say, hey, what about working at the diocesan level? I never thought I would do that. So I think what happens is I, I think the overarching goal for me in my life hasn't necessarily been the title. Yeah. It's about how can I serve God? And God has led me in these directions and basically said, you know, this is next up for you. Your education includes a master's in something. It does. Systematic theology. Systematic theology. Yeah, and actually, I'm pretty proud of it. Uh, To be honest, I'm the first lay person to have ever been granted that um, degree from St. John Seminary in Camarillo. Wow, very cool. Uh, They they used me as a guinea pig. They said, come on in. Um, At the time, I was youth minister at the parish right next door. I had already had my philosophy and theology degree from undergrad. And they said, well, you've got all the – you may be married, you know, but come on in. All right. What was your thesis topic? Oh, my goodness gracious. I couldn't. Oh, actually, the reason I don't know is because they had an option. Thesis topic or a a comprehensive exam. So you did your comprehensive comprehensive exam. Got it. So my question comes down to this. You had a great deal of training in order to to do that. Yeah. How much of that, uh, other than theological background, which you would have gotten whether you formally studied or not. Yes. How much education is needed in what you do now versus the background you obtained by being a principal at a high school and a teacher and campus minister and, and all those things. What's impacted you more, do you think? Well, I, I really think, you know, and not to get idealistic, and, I, you know, I think that, and you would know this, there, you know, I used to, as a principal, when, when it came to hiring teachers, you want to make sure everybody's qualified for their position. They've got their hoops jumped through. Yeah. But, you know, sometimes the piece of paper alone isn't enough. You know, there were a bunch of JPL scientists that were given emergency teaching credentials and they couldn't do a no. good job in the classroom. And no. so it, it's really a combination. And I think for our Catholic schools and really in my experience, it is about the developed faith of that person. Uh, that's first and foremost. Um, when I was a principal, my primary role was not necessarily to be the educational leader, but to be the spiritual leader of the school. Um, yeah. Now, that doesn't mean you can go to work every day and just pray the rosary for no. eight hours. There are other, you know, real life things that you need to do. But I think it is a combination. I think that vocational uh, attitude and mindset is important. Um, but you have to have those real life skills that have been developed for, in my case, were developed over the years in the many different roles I played. The reason I, I went there is because I, I know that the superintendent, her focus really was on the development of principals mm-hmm. and their religious background. Correct. Most principals come through the education route. They were trained to be an educator in some yep. sort of uh, general 
uh, education program at a state school. Nothing wrong with state schools. Yep. But they're, they then have to overlay with religion in order to do it at the Catholic school. Sure. And it sounds like you come at this, as does uh, our Dr. Barasano, from the perspective, oh, no, the focus on this is Jesus Christ, and the foil we use in order to serve and minister Jesus Christ is education. Absolutely. I think that makes all the difference in the world for the Diocese of Orange. Uh, not to compare it to any other diocese, that's not fair, but this diocese really has its focus straight. It is on Jesus Christ. It's on evangelization of Jesus Christ through education. Absolutely. Yeah. We're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today is Mike Schaubert, and we've been talking about how the Diocese of Orange has transitioned through this horrible time of COVID in order to come out actually doing pretty well. So some issues still remain, but doing very well. And we were talking about how that's impacted Mike. When we come back, we've got one segment left. I want to talk about really where the diocese expects to go from here and why this really, well, the hope of Jesus Christ is still alive and well. We're listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. We will be right back. Welcome back to Orange County Catholic Radio. Uh, with me today has been Mike Schaubert. And before I go any further, I want to pause for a moment and say thank you very, very much for taking the time out of your, your schedule. This is a very, very busy time, I'm sure, in the Office of Catholic Schools, as it is for all of the principals that are out there. So thank you for coming in. And- oh, it's our pleasure, Rick. And I, I just want to say thank you for your hard work in, in, in this uh, evangelization ministry that you have. And, and really... Uh, recognizing the schools as an important part of that of that evangelizing mission that we have here in the diocese. Thank you. Well, and it, and it is an important part of the evangelizing mission. This is something that I, I think we can actually transition to. How are we doing and where do we go from here? Yeah. Before the pandemic hit, uh, there were some transitions that took place a couple of years ago uh, between Bishop Van's own vision and the visioning that was done in preparation of the long-range plan Changes were made to the Office of Catholic Schools a couple of years ago, and your job was part of it. What's happened? Yes. <laughs> so how how were we doing before we got sidetracked, so to speak? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I, I think that the strategic plan that the diocese undertook a few years ago, I think one of the real blessings of that is the recognition that our Catholic schools are a vehicle and a vessel of ministry, one of the largest ministries in our diocese. Yes. And I think when we look at the mission statement of the diocese, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, this idea of reaching out and evangelizing not only our faithful but those who may be fallen away and, and recognizing that schools play an integral role in that, uh, it's been a real blessing that the diocese recognize that and not only recognize that in some sort of a document or through words but actually put action resources behind it reshaped the Department of Catholic Schools, expanded a few new staff members, myself, as you mentioned, included, to really play a role in the revitalization uh, of our Catholic Church in, in, in the county here in Orange, in the diocese. And, and so, as you mentioned, my position uh, didn't exist. And so our, our team, myself, uh, you know, we have a new superintendent, a couple new associate superintendents, Dr. Barasano, the superintendent, Dr. Valadez, myself, uh, Brad Snyder, uh, a whole new office hit the ground running. You know, we came in here, we had our marching orders, which is the strategic plan. And one of those marching orders, you know, I think the primary one is about, you know, our Catholic identity. And that doesn't mean just putting up a bunch of statues. It's about how do we uh, connect students and parents with the parishes? How do we really 
in some cases, the schools may serve as a vehicle to bring our parents back to the church, back into the pew. That's an important thing to say again. Yeah. The schools act as an evangelism tool. They not only are evangelizing the students, we are evangelizing the parents. Many of our families, um, you've experienced this at the elementary level. You know, it's okay, this Sunday is the fourth grade mass, and if the kid wears a uniform, maybe they get free dress. Hey, mom and dad, let's go to mass. So they bring mom and dad to mass. And then mom and dad, who maybe haven't been to mass in a while, experience something and and really it feels like home again we've heard that many times with fallen away catholics about coming back home there's something about approaching the altar approaching jesus in the eucharist the word and eucharist and being welcomed back and and we see that that can again be a catalyst for for the faithful to come back so you've got the strategic plan my role and we started to hit the ground running and one of the goals of the strategic plans as it relates to me is we recognize that we have this beautiful treasure in our Catholic schools. But gone are the days where we could just open the doors and expect people to just flood in. You had declining enrollment for several years. There, there had been. And and uh, so, you know, we, we recognize we've got this beautiful gift, and I use the passage from the gospel a lot, that you have a lamp. You don't put it under a bushel basket. You put it on a stand for everyone to see. And I think where my role comes in is, you know, I think that there is still work to be done in getting that light out whether it's to our Catholic families who have children in public schools or even non-Catholic families, fallen away Catholic families. So part of it is getting the word out about, you know, what we talked about earlier in the show, that this we have these beautiful pearls, these communities that are there. So that's the first part. But really at the root of that, it's not just about growing enrollment for growing enrollment's sake. Right. It's not just a numbers game because we recognize that as we grow our schools – they become more touch points of evangelization. That, that's what this is about. Evangelization we, is not marketing. It, it is not. <laughs> it, it, it is not. And People so, forget that sometimes. And so, Rick, you know, we were excited. You know, I, and personally and professionally, you know, I came in in December of 2018, and because of this commitment of our bishop, because of this team that we put together, our incredible principles, recognizing that, yeah, we may need to do some new things here. We, we can, again, expect every Catholic family to just send their kids to Catholic school. We have to make an argument, a case. After my first year, we recognized that we had been losing about 500 students a year a in lot. our schools. Um, well, it is. It, 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 any any number is a right. lot. Uh, and then this last year, after my first year, that number shrunk to under uh, under 200. Oh, good. Uh, okay. And, and we were right moving direction. in the right direction. Yeah. And in February, we had uh, done some projections about this upcoming school year, and we were projected to prior have... Prior to pandemic. Prior to pandemic, and we were going to actually have our first enrollment growth in many, many years oh, wow. here in the diocese. Oh, uh, wow. And so um, certainly when the pandemic hit, that, that did you know kind of change that trajectory, but we're still very optimistic. As I mentioned earlier in the show, we have... Uh, you know, 140 new families that have come to us, you know, and, yeah. and maybe many of maybe some of them have come to us just because we happen to be open. Yeah. You know what? That's OK. You know, Jesus reached people where they were at. I still think of, of the woman at the well, the woman at the well who didn't know the water that she needed. Yeah. yeah, uh, yeah and yeah. I think there are families that have come to our schools, maybe looking for, you know, a place to have their kids every day, but don't realize the water that we have And our schools are, are have a real opportunity to, you know, just be who they are to show them uh, what this incredible gift is. And uh, this is an opportunity for these new families to go back out into their community, which may be more secular than others, and to spread the word to them and say, hey, listen, we just found this beautiful gem, this beautiful pearl. Come and join us. And that's evangelization. This sounds 
an awful lot like the solution to the old problem of, well, are you going to focus on academics or are you going to focus on God? Wait a minute. You got the question wrong. Yeah. We, it, it's kind of like asking, are you, when you're married, are you going to be focusing primarily on mom and dad or on the kids? No, no. If mom and dad are good, then the kids will be good. Yeah. If your school is focused on Jesus Christ, then the motivation is to give them the very best education humanly possible. And all those teachers are motivated to do that. All the parents are motivated to do it. It's not an either or. The success and the evangelization that comes from it really is to stay focused on Jesus Christ. Absolutely. We do not water down what we do at our schools. Now, parents and families may come to us for different reasons initially. Oh, yeah. Catholic schools also have the best education around. Absolutely. We have families that are enrolling their kids because we have top-notch academics. Um, Perhaps athletic programs are motivating their enrollment. Perhaps it's, like I mentioned, we're just open. And so what I've been doing is working with individual schools, you know, and and looking at their particular situation. You know, what, what is their demographic? Who is their potential new families that they can try to reach out to and spread the word? And in some cases, Rick, uh, there may not be a large uh, percentage of Catholic families available to a school. So their choice is to do nothing or let's reach out to these other families, perhaps of other faiths. You know, and that doesn't change, though, the mission of that school. We're not going to become something different to meet the needs of other people. They're going to hopefully come to our schools and experience who we are and what we are and what we offer. And as you mentioned, rooted in gospel values, rooted in Jesus Christ, that's going to be uh, what makes us different than all the other schools out there. So if we're kind of reviewing this report card, so to speak, yes, we have schools that were on track prior to COVID to actually have a possible increase in enrollment this year. That was the plan. Yes. COVID hits. Things are a little bit different than that. The adaptations for most of the schools have been either good or very good, yeah. and we've had some transitions that have been very important, like what we've talked about with Polycarp, that yes. have been a, a solution for that school, yeah. which had been about, oh, 110, now up to the 175. What a fantastic example of how that's working. And so it sounds like there's also opportunities for people who are interested in having this opportunity to engage in a small environment a small community rooted in Jesus Christ, they can have that now, whether they want to do the full um, engagement daily in class or online, they can do that now. Yeah. And they can have that for their kids for the rest of their lives. They could. And I, you know, I just want to encourage your listeners to recognize, you know, if you're a grandparent and you have uh, grandchildren that maybe are looking for a, a new kind of environment, Know that our schools are there, ready and willing to to welcome you. We're ready and willing to help families who may not be able to afford it. We've been very, very proud that we've uh, created systems and and, and programs that allow for affordability. We recognize that even those who maybe aren't the poorest of the poor may still struggle to pay tuition nowadays for our schools. Please contact your local school or go to occatholicschools.org to get more information. That website again is what? Yeah, occatholicschools.org. If you go to that website, you'll be able to search for schools that are near you. You can browse a little bit about our, our programs, what we're doing on, you know, in traditional in-person learning. There's information on St. Polycarp Online Catholic Academy. But I think the message that I would like to get out to your listeners is we all know what a great treasure and what a great gift Catholic schools are. But nowadays we need your help more than ever to spread the word. As I mentioned that we have this, this gift 
if you were to, you know, let your friends and family know that there's some incredible things happening in our Catholic schools rooted in Christ and in the gospel values, you know, the word of mouth, frankly, Rick, you could spend all the money in the world on marketing, but the word of mouth, the telling of the story is the most effective. And the story is being told. You know, we have schools, even in the midst of the pandemic, you know, we've had 11 schools increase their enrollment and some significantly. We have one school that was at 160 students last year that are at 210 now. Wow. So there's some great, great opportunities. But I mean, frankly, we've had a few schools that have really uh, been hit hard by the pandemic. You know, we've had some schools where many of the families are in, you know, the hospitality industry or the service industry. Sure. And, and um, you know, despite trying to work as hard as we can, they weren't able to return. And so we saw some uh, some lower enrollment. So it's you know, it, it's a tough time. It's a challenging time, but it's also an opportunity for us to look at what we're doing and how we can be better in the future. So things are going better than than feared, Correct. and things actually have lots of hope for doing even better in the future. And when COVID is done, we should be soaring. Yes, and and you know, it remains to be seen what COVID being done looks like. So I yeah. think what we have we have to recognize as as a well, not just as a society, but here as a Department of Catholic Schools and our individual schools is that we build upon the lessons that we learn, that we are able to adapt, change, and work toward the better no matter you know what obstacles are thrown our way. And doing uh, it well. And doing it well. We're confident that no matter what may be thrown at us, we will be able to uh, absorb the, whatever uh, is thrown our way. Mike Schaubert, I want to thank you very thank much you. for coming in. Would you be so kind as to lead us in a word of prayer on the way out? Sure, absolutely. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, we thank you not only for the blessings in our life, but sometimes we don't take the time to thank you for the challenges that are thrown our direction. And sometimes those challenges are filled with pain or suffering, but we recognize that through pain, suffering, and challenge, and by carrying the cross, that we can uh, grow and learn and become better people. So we thank you for those challenges, and we ask you to give us strength, uh, wisdom, when those things set into our lives. So we thank you, Lord, and be with us, be with all of our schools and all those uh, here in our diocese. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. In the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Once again, I want to thank you, Mike, for coming in. You've been listening to Orange County Catholic Radio. I'm Rick Howick, your host. With me today has been Mike Schaubert, the Associate Superintendent of Catholic Schools. If you would like to hear this again, or if you'd like to share this with somebody else, you can find the podcast version of this at OCCatholic.com. Go to the radio tab and go down to OC Catholic Radio, and you'll find us there. Once again, I'm Rick Howick, your host, and we will see you again next week.